Hey everybody, good to see you. Um, so if you ask the average person, tell me the type of music that you prefer, uh, I would think the average person would say, so I enjoy almost kind of everything except country music, right? I'm the opposite. I enjoy country. That's it. Um, so I'm a country guy at heart, and I play country music all the time, and there's this country song um, that, that has this chorus that's something like, honey can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you a truck or a boat, right? And... Uh, and Money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you a truck. And that's, it's pretty much true. Um, so back in 2013, I bought my first truck. And um, I sat in this truck and I thought, dang, I was born to drive a truck. You know, like it felt like this huge hole in my heart was filled. It's the end of the story. It was. Um, there isn't like a dot, 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 and that didn't happen. It was like, it was like whole, and it still happens. I sit in my truck, and it's, there's like heaven comes to earth, and it's a really beautiful thing, except for a problem. Um, so, in, um, so it's a Ford truck, you know, because I'm from here, and you have a Ford, you know, and so I have a Ford truck, and that they have this like system um, that they take a whole lot of pride in uh, that everything is voice activated, right? You can sit in your truck and you can talk to it and you can tell it to do whatever it wants to do, right? And there's a bunch of things that you're not able to do in your truck apart from talking to it. I have a speech impediment. And so I didn't, I had no idea about this whole, like the audible thing until I'm like trying to get my phone to connect to my truck. And the level of frustration that comes when I have to say Bluetooth audio, and it comes out super easy now because I don't know why, but Bluetooth audio is the thing that you have to say to get it to connect to your phone. And I have to say it every day that, that, that I get in my car to connect my phone to my truck. And for years, I just couldn't say it. And then it would say, I'm sorry, the options are. And I'd be like, no. And it's like Bluetooth. Uh, it's, I, I, it's saying, I'm saying it really clearly. And it's a bummer because I'm not able to tell this story properly. But I'd, I'd be like, I'd bang on my steering wheel. I would, I would be so frustrated. And it would be like, there are so many other things about the truck that you actually can't do because it's all voice activated. And for me, it was like, man, this truck is totally not good for handicapped people. And it was just like, I consider myself that. Anyway, um, and what's frustrating is half of the, the access to my truck, I just can't do. And then if there's someone in the car, it's like I feel embarrassed doing it in case it d doesn't understand me the first, second, or third, fourth time. You know, or if I'm by myself, it's totally fine. And so there's this feeling that every time I get in and I hit the button to connect my truck to my phone, that I have to say it perfectly. Like I have to be perfect or it won't get me. I have to say things to my truck perfectly or else it won't do what I want. It won't hear me. It won't follow. And I think so often that that's how I feel about coming to church or how I feel about coming to God a bunch of times, that if I am not like flawless, 
that God doesn't get me, or there's this half of the part of God I don't have the access to because because I didn't say something perfectly, or I didn't, you know, come in the, the proper clothes, or I got in a f- fight at home in the morning or whatever, and that somehow how tainted the experience that I'm going to have, you know, as far as God goes. And thinking about coming to church, a bunch of us have the same perspective of showing up to church. We have to bring our absolute best, right? I mean, I grew up in this Bible Belt culture that's always talking about Sunday's best, right? You bring your best to God. You put on your best clothes. You bring your best smile, your best attitude, your best family. Who our families are at church, they are not that at any other time. Like our church families are awesome. But who they are at home is someone completely different. But it's Sunday's best or Saturday's best or whatever. You know, we bring the best we got and give it to God. The thing is, is a bunch of times that's really fake, right? And God is not a fake God, so he doesn't ask us to be fake people. And oftentimes, I have found this pattern in the Bible that whenever people bring Jesus their best, he doesn't want it. In fact, he's like, no. But when people bring Jesus just the opposite, right? They bring them, when they bring Jesus their absolute worst, and they're transparent about it. And they're like, this is it. Or this is me. And it's like this embarrassing, slimy, disgusting, ugh. He's like, yes. Right? It's like every time someone's like, here's my best. I am awesome. He's like, shut up. But whenever people are like crawling on the ground saying, I don't have Jack here. This is all I've got. And this is me. I'm dirty. I'm slimy. I'm broken. He's like, yes, please. I want to journey with that. So today's teaching is about a story of, of that happening. It's one of the most beautiful stories, I believe. It's the story of the blind beggar as Jesus is going from Jericho to Jerusalem. So if you have your Bibles, turn them uh, to Luke chapter 18, verse 35. Um, the thing that m- makes the story of the blind beggar something that inspires my soul is just pure desperation. Just, just pure desperation. I think desperation is one of the most beautiful human attributes someone can have. Have you ever been like so desperate to fix something that you came to a spot that you're just like, I can't do it? So like a m- month ago, um, there's this part of the shower at our house that like shot out or something. I was, I was turning the shower on and there's the thing that you hit, that I turned the shower on, that it just shot out. And I was like, what the heck? And it shot out. And then, then the whole shower just didn't function anymore. And I thought, I can fix it. You know, I can fix it. I can fix anything. And so, but I told my family there aren't going to be any showers today because I need to fix it. Well, it took about five 
days until my family's like, are you going to fix the shower? I said, yeah, I just have to get the parts. And so it took another two days to go to Ace and get the parts, but he didn't give me the right stuff. And, uh, and it was just this frustrating thing. And I got there and I was like, I don't think I have the right things. And then I pulled apart the shower thing and I was like, oh, nuts. I'm in over my head, but I think I can do it. So I go on YouTube, right? Because they, they're brilliant. And I don't know what the name of the part is. I just say broken shower. And so I can go in hours of broken shower videos and I have no idea what I'm doing. And so it, I mean, I don't know how many days passed. I do know that my daughter crawled in bed um, someday and she smelled so bad that I'm like, I need to fix the shower. And so it came to this place where I'm like, well, we need to call the plumber, right? We got to call the plumber. Like someone needs to fix this because everyone in our house stinks. <laughs> True story. And it got fixed. He came over and he was like, how can I help you? I said, I don't know. What do you want me to do for you? I don't know. Fix it. He did. It took him 10 minutes and I felt like an idiot. This is the place that the blind beggar found himself in. This guy's blind and, and he is in this place of pure desperation as Jesus is passing by. Here it is. So as a congregation, let's do this together. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately when he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God, when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Cool. So this is a story of healing, but it's so much more. Um, so I want to begin just, just briefly talking about context, the place that this passage finds itself. This is important for us to understand the point of this story. Um, so Jesus has just got done teaching the disciples, teaching the Pharisees, teaching these people who are experts on the law, the expert. He's been giving parables. He's been picked apart by people. I mean, like, like things have been happening. He's been under great scrutiny. And these people are constantly asking, who are you? Who is he? Who do you think he is? Who is? And even his disciples, who are the closest to him, they're asking these questions. Who is he? Who is he? Who is he? And he even asked disciples, who do you think I am? And they're like, I don't know, you know, and this whole thing. The, the, the passage just before the story of the blind beggar, it's like, like Jesus tells the disciples all his secrets. He says the kingdom of God is coming and the temple is falling down and will be built back and, and that I'm going to die and be taken away and blah, blah, blah. And like, he is like saying, here's everything I got. And then the passage comes to the end and it says, but the disciples did not understand a thing that he had to say. Like, it was like, how do you not understand? This was as clear as day. Then directly after this passage of the disciples not understanding anything, 
is the story of a blind beggar. Okay, it's important to know context. So after the passage of the blind beggar, okay, he goes into Jerusalem. People question him. Palm Sunday happens. The crucifixion happens. That kind of thing, right? So here's what happened before. He's doing his teaching. He's teaching the Pharisees, his disciples. He's giving great sermons, and people are asking, who are you, right? And then the story of the blind beggar happens, and then he goes into Jerusalem, and people are all shouting, Hosanna, king of, or son of David, Hosanna, yay, yay, yay. Crucifixion happens, right? So we got the, the story of the blind beggar right in the center of this idea of who is he to here's who you are, right? There's this, there's this turning point that happens here in this part of the gospel of Luke. So here it goes again. So as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting on the road begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. So th this is how the story begins. So, so Jesus is going from, uh, from Jericho to Jerusalem. This is important because they're coming downhill and it's the time of Passover. So there's a lot of people that are coming. Do you remember Palm Sunday happens over Passover? Anyway, so time of Passover, big crowds of people are coming from Jericho to J Jerusalem. And so, so there is a blind beggar outside of the city of Jericho. And hit the pause button just for a second because this will be fun. So um, healings in the Gospels, the authors of the Gospels choose to only pick about four or five healings per Gospel to put in it, right? And, and so often it's so easy to say the point of these healings are simply to say he healed people. Like he healed this blind guy. That's amazing. Jesus brought sight to someone. Yes. However, these Gospel authors, that they picked four or five healings for a bigger purpose. I would say this because how many times in the Bible does it say that Jesus spent the entire day back, back kind of in the countryside preaching and healing people all day long? And in and, 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 Christ can heal people probably pretty quickly. And so if you think about all the times that Jesus has been out healing people all day or half day or only a couple hours of healing today just because he didn't want to put in a full day, he has healed a lot of people. That's what he does. He is a healer. People would bring people to Jesus to be healed. How many people did Jesus heal? We don't know. Lots. So you have to ask the question, there has to be something more important about the single story of healing than simply a guy got healed, okay? So if a gospel only has four st 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 stories of healing, there is something about that story of healing that you're on that separates it from thousands of others, so our goal would be, what is so special about the healing of the blind beggar? Furthermore, 
the authors of the gospel are Jewish and they do everything intentionally. There's a lot of foreshadowing that happens. And so often they put the healing of blind people outside of the city that Jesus is about to go into. And to almost foreshadow this idea that the eyes of the people are about to be open to something new. The paralyzed people are often at the foot of the temple. For instance, they would say that the, the temple has been paralyzed and it doesn't get up and go and it just says, give me your money, give me your money, give me your money. There's a lot of poetic things that are happening here on top of the truth of the healing of Christ. And so it's just kind of fun to think about. Here's Jesus going to the city. There's a blind guy outside the city. Of course he's outside the city. Something big is about to happen. The eyes are about to be open for the first time, and there's a great healing that's about to happen. Furthermore, this huge crowd is coming, and the blind man, he's down here in this posture, you know, and he's like, what is happening, right? And people are saying, Jesus is going to pass by. And there's something really cool just about the simplicity of he's passing by. It isn't like he's coming here to hang out and to heal, or he's not coming here to preach a sermon. He's just simply passing by, right? He's passing by. And for this blind guy, the desperation then sits in. Here we go. He called out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. So from the text, it's just super easy to go through that, right? Like, no big deal. He said, heal me, right? So picture this. He's down here in this posture saying, I'm poor, I need some money, hook me up, give me money, give me money. There's this huge crowds coming by and he's like, tell me what's going on. And they're like, Jesus is passing by. And this blind guy is on the, the side, he is outside the city of Jerusalem. He hears people passing by all the time and he hears the talk, hears the gossip, hears things, hears things, hears things. And he is blind. He has never seen Jesus before, right? The opposite of everyone else who he has been teaching forever. Like Jesus has been teaching the disciples and the Pharisees and they are picking him apart. And then he's coming down to Jerusalem and here's this blind guy who's just heard things. And Jesus is passing by. And I, I gotta ask, how quickly does it take for Jesus to pass by? I don't know, but it's probably pretty quick. And there's this moment of desperation that, that he knows he has to cry out. And in fact, the actual term here, cry out, it doesn't actually mean cry out. It means he went crazy, right? Um, so it's this term that means like to shriek and to yell and to scream, right? And so, so in my head, <laughs> in my head, he's down here and he hears that Jesus is passing by and then he changes his posture because he knows he has like 45 seconds tops to get the attention of the only person who could possibly give him sight. And he begins to go crazy. That's the actual 
great term. He goes crazy. And then so in my mind, like his posture shifts, his hands shift, and he's, he starts screaming, right? He's screaming to the point that everyone's saying, dude, shut up, right? This is embarrassing for everyone, including you. Like, be quiet. Like they're trying to get him to be quiet. The crowd rebuked him. That is a churchy term. Like you got rebuked. And so he's like, he's going nuts. And the, the crowd rebukes this blind guy. It's like, he's blind. Give him grace, you know? And so, um, so the thing that he says, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's easy. Just pass by. Like, yeah, son of David, you know? Um, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's going crazy. It isn't like, Jesus, son of David. You know, it's not that Pentecostal thing. It's like, he's going nuts. And people are rebuking him. He's saying, Jesus, son of David. The term son of David is like this, this messianic claim. It is to heave a title out there that no one has done yet. Like no one has said this yet. People before the story of the blind beggar, the Pharisees, the disciples, everyone else who has heard him, heard his sermons and heard him talk and they're picking his stuff apart and they're seeing him and they eat together and they're spending time with him and they have brought Jesus their best, you know, and they're trying to impress him. And they're saying, who is he? Who is he? I don't know. Who do you think he is? I don't know. Who do you think he is? You know, and they talk about this and they stay up. They talk about it. There's this blind dude, (laughs) blind dude, doesn't see him. He just knows he's passing by and he calls out, son of David. In that, Jesus stops because that's a big deal. That is the first messianic claim. That is the first, I know who you are. Furthermore, that's like saying, I see you. The first person to see Jesus for who he was, was the blind man. Is there nothing poetic about that? Is there nothing challenging about that? Everyone who spent time around him picking apart, you know, every parable, every teaching has no idea. And it took a blind man to say, here's who I am. I am a crazy loser who can't see, and I can see you as clear as day. Because he brought Jesus his worst. <laughs> it's just beautiful. The p- passage continues on. Uh, I think it does. Here it goes. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? All right, let's just pause here. What would you give for God to say? What do you want me to do for you? And isn't it obvious, you know, I mean, this is like in this story, Blind dude, he's been here forever. Everyone knows him. He's begging for money. And then Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The thing he doesn't say is, Jesus, son of David, heal me. Jesus, son of David, fix my eyes. What he does say is, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Because when you see Jesus for who he really is, all of the small stuff doesn't really matter anymore. And for this guy, the biggest plight possible didn't seem to matter anymore. The fact that he was blind didn't matter. What didn't matter was simply Jesus turning his gaze and having mercy. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? That is one of the most profound questions in the Bible that Jesus, God incarnate, asked a blind man, what do you want me to do for you? I want to take just a pause here and go into a time of prayer. Um, and just to go into a time of prayer and picture us just in front of Jesus. So if you're able to close your eyes, just close your eyes and picture Jesus being in front of you, having, having the story that you have, having the hopes and dreams you have, having the plights that you have, having the sins, that, whatever, just who you are sitting in front of Jesus and you call out and he says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? And he asked you, what do you want me to do for you? And the guy who was behind, he said, I want to see. I want to see. God, we want to see. All right, you can open your eyes. So, so he said, I want to see. He didn't say, cure my blindness. He didn't say, fix my eyes. He says, I want to see. And then the passage continues on. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Okay, let's, let's go back here. So, so here's this guy. Jesus is passing by. He begins calling out, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd says, be quiet. They rebuked him, right? They rebuked him, and it says he began to scream even more. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd stops because Jesus stopped stops. Then, then Jesus' gaze turns towards the blind man, but the blind man can't see Jesus because he's blind. And so then Jesus says, what do you want me? That wasn't that funny. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, I want to see. Everyone around Jesus, you can just picture them like they've been with Jesus. 
trying to impress Jesus, bringing them, bringing him their Sunday best. And, and then all of a sudden, here's this blind dude that Jesus turns his gaze upon. What do you want me to do? And he says, I want to see. And he says, your faith has healed you. Receive your sight. And he could see. What happens there is pretty cool. He begins praising God, and he follows Jesus. Upon seeing this, the crowd begins to praise God as well. This is the crowd who rebuked the blind guy, right? <laughs> Let's just point out the obvious, right? So they're coming by, the blind guy's calling out, and they're like, rebuke, rebuke, rebuke. How many of us, when things kind of aren't explainable, who, is, you know, we rebuke them, you know, like, get in line, that's awkward. I don't know what, you know, ugh. you know, like, we bring them down. And so, so this blind guy gets the, the gaze of Jesus. There's healing happening. The, the crowd is judging, right? They're judging. I'm awesome at judging people. You know, they're judging. Judging this blind guy, he's nuts and going crazy, but he somehow captured Jesus out of desperation. Like, if you knew that Jesus was going to pass by for 45 seconds, what would you do? Right? Like, that would be, like, a fun thing to ask. If you knew you had 45 seconds to capture the attention of God himself, what would you do? Well, he went nuts. And so then he got rebuked by the church. Then Jesus healed him. And then everyone began praising God. Those who <laughs> rebuked and shamed and judged and said, be quiet, they're all of a sudden singing a similar tune. And this is profound. This was a culture shift. This is why in this part of the gospel, everything seems to change. And it began with a blind guy seeing Jesus more clearly than anyone else did up until this point. Which, you gotta ask the question, what did the blind guy have or see that no one else saw? Or the other, how did the eyes of everyone else keep them from seeing Jesus? How did the hearts of everyone else keep him from seeing Jesus? What got in the way of people seeing Jesus as clearly as the blind man saw Jesus? What could cause a shift in our own story, in our own heart from, from trying to pick up, you know, is this true? I don't know. Is it, I don't know. Should I follow? Is he here? I don't know. You know, uh, I don't know. It's confusing. I synthesize everything. Anyway, so what would cause that shift to happen? What did the blind guy see? What is it, the thing, that the Pharisees and Sadducees and disciples and the other followers didn't see? What did the blind man have? What did they did, did not? What faith did the blind man have that the Pharisees and Sadducees and disciples did not have? What love experience did the blind man gain from this experience? What did the blind man offer that no one else offered? Sometimes I believe that, that our pursuit to offer God the best of us, like the, the, the good, best, 
awesome, solid, here's what I've done, here's who I am, here's how I can achieve, this is why I'm good. And by showing up in our Sunday best whatever is a thing that actually keeps us from experiencing the glory of God. That sometimes, if not all the time, whenever there is such a focus to be perfect, to be flawless, to be whole, as you come in these doors and as we approach Jesus, that that's going to be the very thing that keeps you from experiencing him. That the pursuit of being solid and perfect and flawless, and we got our family all together, but you were just fighting in your car, I saw you is the thing that's going to keep you from experiencing the profound grace of God. That every story of divine grace, divine healing, divine whatever God's going to do, it always begins by saying, God, here's the worst of me. It's always going to say, here's something about me that really stinks. And God goes, yes, please, I can do something with that. What did the blind man offer that the Pharisees, Sadducees, disciples did not? It was the fact that he could not see that allowed him to see Jesus more clearly than anybody else. Because he offered that. And then he claimed that he could not. Lord, I want to see. Your faith has healed you. Receive your sight. What would it be like to see Jesus more clearly? What would it be like to believe that you don't have to speak to your Ford truck 100% accurately to get it to do what it was meant to do? What would it be like to be able to approach Jesus and be like, I am broken, poor, disgusting, slimy, and blind, and crippled, and whatever you are, and God goes, yes, please, this is what my church is here for. So if you are here today and you are, you've come in put together and perfect and great, that's cool. But, but if you are here and you are broken and things feel like they're falling apart and you're sad or you're depressed or you're angry or if you're, you're everything did not turn out how it was supposed to turn out or you're confused or you don't know who God is, you don't know who you are, you don't know who your family is and who's my husband, you know, and all this stuff and you are a confused person, good for you because that's the point. And that's who we all are. And that's what we all have in common. We are all blind people on the side of the road begging for someone to see us. And when God passes by for 45 seconds, what would you do? What would you do? Good thing is you don't have to do anything. Because God gives us a space to encounter him all the time. If you show up, if you show up being you with your brokenness, with your hearts, with your souls, with who you are. And that's what the blind man did that no one else did. He was fully exposed. And so I'm going to ask uh, the church, our congregation today, to possibly see Jesus as you've never seen him before, simply by allowing him to see us 
how, how we haven't allowed him to see us before. And that is fully exposed. It's not by giving him our best, by actually giving him our worst. What would that be like to say, Jesus, okay, don't pick me apart here, okay? But Jesus, I'm going to offer you my absolute worst tonight. Here are parts of my soul and parts of my heart and parts of my story that I'm embarrassed about and ashamed of. I don't think can be fixed, so I've hidden it. I swept it under the rug. You can't do this. And I'm, you know what I'm saying? What would it be like in this time, in this space, to feel comfortable to say, have my worst. And this is what God gets excited about. So please pray with me. Oh, Lord, we thank you for who you are, that you don't ask for our best, that you are a God who the creation of man begins when you put your hands in the dirt and your hands get dirty and you form us from the mud and the dirt and the atomic particles and stardust. God, you are a God who is active and not afraid of pain. You are a God who is not afraid of the hard places that we are in. You're not afraid of our blindness, our paralysis. You're not afraid of the ailments that we have. You're not afraid of our cancer. You're not afraid of our sicknesses. You're not afraid of all the bad things that we've done. You're not afraid. You are a God who simply is not afraid. God, we thank you that you are a God who's not afraid. God, we thank you that you are so clear that even blind people see you. God, we thank you that you are so big that even blind people see you. God, we thank you that your truth is so radiant that even blind people see you. God, help us see you. God, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see you as the blind man saw you. Inspire the desperation that says someone needs to fix this. So in this space, I'm going to give you the opportunity um, to offer God your absolute worst. I want you to take some time. There's plenty of time. to kind of sift through through your thoughts and sift through your heart and sift through your story and pick out things that you've never, ever fathomed of bringing to Jesus. I'm going to give you the space to sift through your thoughts and your hearts and your minds and your stories, to sift through things that you never thought you could bring to Jesus because of the guilt and the shame and the things people would think, how they would tell you to be quiet. What are those things that you never thought could put before Jesus.
So I want to give you the opportunity to just picture Jesus standing in front of you. His gaze has turned towards you. The crowd has stopped. And there you are holding these things that you just picked out that are your absolute worst. And then Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? How do you respond? <coughs> Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? And you can almost feel his gaze burning into you, although you can't see it. How do you respond? <laughs> 